Welcome to The Root and Fountain, a lively podcast about prayer and the Catholic life. I'm your host, Veronica Jarski. In today's episode, I'm talking with my good friend, Christy, about Eucharistic adoration. Why should we go? What are the benefits? We could have talked for hours about the benefits of a Eucharistic adoration, but we're just covering a few today. Listen in and find out why you should start making Eucharistic adoration part of your prayer life. So welcome, Christy. Thank you, Veronica. Thanks for inviting me. So I'm so excited to talk to you about adoration. Now, before we get started, if you can share a little bit about about your faith journey and how you ended up being you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I was, uh, a, I'm a cradle Catholic. Um, my earliest beginnings was, I remember my dad teaching me all the prayers that we learn when I was very little. Um, he actually was the person that named, gave me God's name. I think little children always know there's, there's a God. They just need that guidance. And I went to Catholic school for 12 years. I relied heavily on on God. Uh, I think that my Catholic upbringing in school really helped. And I think there was a like a lot of people in their 20s, there was like a 5-year period where I just got out of the habit of going to mass and and I didn't practice the faith. I didn't go anywhere else. I didn't consider myself wanting to look for anything else. And I think when I moved out of out of this the United States for a while, um, I started to get a little homesick. And one of the things that I was started to become really homesick for was mass. And I realized that I was on a 26 square mile island that had about five or six Catholic churches on it. And it's a really small area. Yeah. Um, and there was actually a cathedral in the town. So I stopped by and one time and I I loved the priest. He was, he was great. And I just started going after that. Um, I can't say I was a perfect Catholic. I've never been a perfect Catholic. But once I came back I don't to think California, there's a, there's a I know. <laughs> once I came back to California, I just continued, you know, I um, wherever I lived, I found a parish. And when I came back to Huntington Beach, uh, one of my best friends was already a parishioner at St. Vincent de Paul. And I fell in love with the parish. The church was gorgeous. And I think uh, at that point, I was well established. And I began wanting to help in other ways. And so I, I did do a year of catechism with first graders. So it was the year before they, they had their communion um, preparation. I was uh, actually encouraged by somebody to get involved with the catechesis of the Good Shepherd because I, I was a teacher. So little kids are always, you know, fun to be with. So that was another way that I could give back and do it with kids, with the faith. During that time, um, probably before that, um, I had lost my dad in 2006, the end of the year. And that's when I, I heard about adoration. It was at one of the ministry fairs. And so I thought that would be really something I could do for God. Just pick an hour and make sure I go every week and um, not that that I wouldn't think about God any other time, but that was a commitment I wanted to make. Well, when you started to go to adoration at our parish, now was that the first time, or had you had a history of going to adoration when you were overseas? No, I hadn't. Just just maybe in school, you know, when they do that with the class and they show you. I can't say it wasn't. I I can't say I never had an introduction, of course, but it was just more. I never partook in it. I didn't really. I guess I didn't really um, see it as an opportunity besides going to Mass. What made you decide to do this rather than another form of devotion? I think what happened was when I lost my dad, I was with him and a couple of family members. And I remember feeling so grateful to God about the relief of him finally passing. He was suffering so much. And I was just so grateful. It sounds so weird. But when you see somebody suffering and then and then you finally see their body, it's just their body, but you know they're at rest. You know they're with God, they're at peace. And I think I wanted to to show my gratefulness. I 
I, I think that's the only thing I can really um, explain that I wanted to do that. When I learned from the ministry fair at church that they had that there was adoration and that you could actually commit to an hour or more, whatever you wanted a week, I thought that would be a really great way to show God how, number one, how grateful I was for that experience, but also that I was just really grateful being a Catholic my whole life. I always thank God. Thank you for putting me in a Catholic home. Thank you for, for me being Catholic. I mean, I just I just loved our faith. I didn't understand a lot of it, but but I think that's what it was. It was just showing my my gratitude. And so when you first started, how how did you go about it? Was it difficult at first? No, but I didn't really know what to do. <laughs> um, I There were a few little instructions on, uh, for a newbie that uh, they said you could bring something to read, you could just pray, uh, you could meditate, you know, what, whatever you wanted. So I, I always made sure I had something to read. I always bring my Bible. I have my my Laudette app. I do have a prayer book of Catholic prayers that I inherited from an aunt who passed. And I've got, you know, those kinds of things. But sometimes I, I really just want to sit there and look at Christ. Speaking of newbies, I was thinking maybe someone who's listening to this podcast doesn't even know what adoration is. So do you want to explain what it is exactly for someone who's like, what on adoration isn't that just like the act of adoring and it could be anything and anyone or so what are you, what are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. It's adoration. You're adoring Christ. It's, I know in prayer, the first thing we should do is praise and adore the Trinity. You know, if you're going to talk about steps of prayer, that's the first thing we should do. So for a lot of people who don't understand, it's in a church, there's a tabernacle, and then sometimes the tabernacle is open. And in there, when it, when it's open, you'll see something. It looks like it usually looks like a sunburst, and within there is the Eucharist, which we believe and we know to be true is the body and blood of Christ, or we call it the real presence. We right. call him the real presence. Yes, and so that is who we are adoring. Because right? some people, I think, they they go in and think, oh, well, you're adoring a piece of bread, or you're adoring this gold box, and they don't understand. Like you said, it's we're adoring the Trinity. Right. So. What I do is I genuflect as soon as I get in there for to show my my reverence, and I prostrate myself on on the floor before I sit into the pew. But I usually kneel first. I'm just trying to show my reverence, and I, I'm thinking how much I love Christ, how much I I adore Him, I thank Him for my life. I I, I use my own words in my head. Um, and sometimes I actually get a prayer book out and, and say some prayers of thanks. But a lot of times I like to use my own words, uh, maybe certain things that had happened and, um, it's, you know, from that week or, and then, and then maybe I might start asking <laughs> him to help me <laughs> or, you know, to certain things I want to happen. Some people bring um, a book. Some people don't bring anything. I, I just kind of have an array of things. I have my rosary. I'll do a rosary. Um, I like to, to read certain books. Sometimes it's a, like something from Jean-Paul II. Sometimes it's about a saint. Sometimes it's just about words of Christ, um, the Bible, things like that. That's such an interesting point, too, that you said that it's an array of things. When I've gone to adoration, the thing that always strikes me is how different everyone's experience is. Not that I'm there like, staring at the people. But you know, I do notice other people if it gets really crowded before COVID. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, and I was was very happy that I got really crowded because I'm like, oh my goodness, there's so much, so many people adoring. And there's yeah, like there's people with their rosaries. There are people with like it's almost like a study session. They have like their highlighters and and markers and pencils and pens and like books like they're studying. We had a youth pastor and I remember he said whenever he had to prepare a talk or any lesson plan that he would go before the Eucharist pray and just write it out there. I've seen people take homework, which is really interesting. I should have taken math. <laughs> I would have I would have done better. Although it is a miracle I passed any math. Um, but yeah, people take all kinds of things and, I, and then there's people who don't do anything. And I think for myself, I've always varied it up. Like you said, there's so many different ways to go go about it. And they do have like those little pamphlets to help you out when you're starting out. 
Like silence is challenging, I think, for some people. I think so too. And I think um, there's a point where your mind will go off on tangents. And I think that's normal. I think it's just that we need to be intentional when we're going in there to keep ourselves on track. So, and once in a while, maybe going off on a certain tangent is what the Holy Spirit is doing too. But I mean, unless it's completely off why we're there in the first place. But um, I, I know there have been times where I've been praying and then then I just try to just be silent in my head as well as just closing my eyes and I say, come Holy Spirit, come and just try to listen to what he wants me to hear. And maybe I've thought about a person who is suffering or somebody who passed recently or somebody I haven't gotten in touch with in a while. And oh, I wonder how that person's doing and I wonder if they're okay. And and then I got to bring myself back. But maybe that is something that I was supposed to hear. I just try to be as intentional as I can about however, it, I think really the Holy Spirit helps us pray. I think that he almost dictates from day to day. Because there are times where I think, oh, I'm going to read this or I'm going to take this. And then I'm really content just to sit so, and then there are other times that I want to say a rosary. I need to say a rosary and I have lots of intentions for that. And I sit, I kneel. And like I said, when I, when I leave and I'm arriving and leaving, I prostrate myself. But uh, yeah, I admire a lot of, um, I've seen a lot of people that they just come so much. You can see how much they get out of it. And sometimes I, I feel like, wow, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not doing what I should be doing, but everybody's different and we can't compare ourselves. I think as long as we're intentional and we try to listen to see what the Holy Spirit wants to, to say to us and how he wants us to pray, that's the way that we do it. There is a format of sorts. We pray the sign of the cross first, mm-hmm. we close with an amen, you know, and then the things in between. We have our ideas or our thoughts or feelings, right? We come to the Lord with them, but then it takes a backseat to whatever the Lord is saying. Those the little pamphlets and everything. I think they're helpful at first because, to be honest, when I when I started going to adoration, I had a terrible time at first. Well, whew, I was here an hour, and I'd look, and it was like, wow, I was here five minutes. You know, <laughs> it was hard. You know, it's funny. My hour goes by so fast. I, I mean, I can't believe it sometimes. And I go pretty early. I don't go as early as some people, but there are times where it's hard to get up you know, to go. But I picked that hour on purpose because along with the intentionality, I wanted to almost make it, I'm not saying a sacrifice to go to adoration, a sacrifice to get up that early. You know, if I'm going to go and really make the most of this, I'm going to do it at a time where it's, for me, it's, I want to say inconvenient, but it's, I don't want to use that word. That's not really what I mean. It's just, it, it pushes you out of your comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. Prayer should not be comfortable. Prayer should be something that stretches you out. Or rather, the Holy Spirit stretches you out in prayer. I think the fact that you are where you're at right now, that you, you know, wake up early and things like that, I think that is something that develops. I think you start out with it being convenient and then you just, you grow in it. And I feel like, so many people that I know have tried adoration and they quit pretty quickly because they're they're bored or they don't get it. Something about it, they just don't try again. But as you know, as you know, in the faith, we have to work in our relationship with the Lord, right? So you, you try again. Yeah, it's so true. And you know what? When you said that people get bored and they don't try again, and this is a relationship we have with God. You know, if people thought of it that way. What about your, you know, if you have kids or your spouse or your friends, you you work at it. And God is no different. You got, you have to work at your relationship. I mean, he's always there for us. I mean, he's the perfect friend, father, but we are the ones that have trouble. And I think, you know, it's just like when people say that, oh, mass is boring. Well, we don't go there to be entertained. Right. We're not going there to be entertained. We're going there to celebrate God and, and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And so it's the same with adoration. You have to work at it. And I think if you, and it's okay to pick a convenient hour at first, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but 
you've got to give it a chance. I mean, hey, even if you start new vitamins, it takes three months for you maybe to feel anything. I don't know, but it is a relationship. And if you, if you go in without any expectations and, you know, if you have to bring a book to read, fine, do it, you know, use it as, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to have quiet time of reading, you know, make sure it's, you know, you're going to bring something that's appropriate for, um, adoration. I would bring, you know, bring something that will maybe something you're interested in, in the faith. Like one time I brought a book on the saints, the, the, uh, incorruptible saints. It was, it was something that I, it wasn't just the, the idea of it, but just, I, I was so in awe of God that he would bring these, these signs to us, you know, or bring something on, um, Eucharistic miracles, you know, saints are pretty interesting. Um, there's, there's a lot out there. Just start with that and work up to it. It's just like working up to the time that you spend. Um, but always remember, you know, this is a relationship you're trying to improve with God. And, you know, he doesn't expect us to be perfect. I said that earlier. He just wants us to be present. Just like he's present 24-7. Come visit him. Just sit there, you know, even if you have a gripe, gripe to him, you know, learn to, to um, take the things that are hard for you and give them to God. You know, I never really understood what that meant until I heard it a few times of, you know, take your sufferings or your pain or whatever, and then just say, God, take this from me. You know, even, even imagine it, you know, put it in a bag and hand it to God or hand it to Jesus. <laughs> And have him envision him taking it from you, you know, start there right? and just keep trying. You know, he doesn't give up on us. I think that uh, if someone only tries it once or twice, they're not really giving it a good, you know, a good chance. Sometimes when people say that they're bored by adoration, I think what has happened is that people, and, and I, I was like this before too, and I remind this to my kids and everything that when, if we ever find that adoration is dull, we're forgetting what the Eucharist is Mm -hmm. because here we are looking at what appears to be a piece of bread, which a lot of people would think is insanity. A lot of people make fun of us, make fun of Catholics, right? Because you believe that Jesus said it, Jesus said, this is what it is. I believe Jesus. Yeah. So I'm going to go. Yes. Yes. And you know, and as we all know, we know John six, right? He explained it, and when they questioned him, he explained it even more detail. True flesh, right? Right. True blood. And people left, and he didn't change his mind. So this is what it is. So the fact that we're there at adoration, and we're looking at something that all our senses are like, that is bread. And we're (laughs) saying, no, our faith and our experience with the Lord and our understanding of, of, of Scripture says this is, this is Jesus. It just, it's such an incredible thing. Now I don't understand how you can possibly be bored. When when I started taking my kids to adoration, that one of them was like, oh, what am I supposed to think about? I'm like, well, because it was near Christmas. Uh-huh. I'm like, baby Jesus? I'm like, that's baby Jesus. That's the baby Jesus we read about in scripture. Also, that is the Jesus that fed the crowds. That is the Jesus of the miracles. Mm-hmm. He's right here. Mm-hmm. Think on that for a little bit. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Like, meditate on that and tell me if you're bored because that's who we're seeing. <laughs> you know, he's here. The other thing that intrigues me is just the fact that wherever there is perpetual adoration, all over the world, it, he's present everywhere at all times. And it doesn't matter where we are, but we know he's there. And that's pretty cool to think that even when there's a mass being said all over the world every hour. Um, you could think about that too. I remember telling somebody who, who who was a Christian, she's a Christian, but I was explaining to her that at mass, our scriptures are all the same. So it doesn't matter where you go in the world, our, our readings are the same for that Sunday. And she goes, really? I said, yeah, it's a universal church, which means Christ is everywhere all the time. I think if you think about that too, it's pretty awesome. But I think over the years of going to adoration, I've learned a lot more about our faith. I've 
I've became a Eucharistic minister. I think my capacity to think of God more often during the day, it's improved on that. Like I, I think I'm, I'm relying on him more. I, I don't know. I feel like I've, I've learned about spiritual gifts that I've gotten. So you get a better education. I think after you settle into adoration and you start really allowing the spirit to work, he starts pushing you in other areas that he wants you to do work for him. And if you listen to that, good for you, because it's, that's what we're here for. I mean, we're here to uplift each other and help each other. And if people don't know what to do, if they want to help, I, I would say, go sit in front of Jesus, <laughs> go to adoration and ask him, what do you want me to do? Just be quiet and he'll put ideas in your head. So I've, I've joined other ministries because of that. I've learned more about spiritual gifts that I was getting signs before, but, but then I became much more aware. And then also just pointing me to other people in the parish, like you and Kathy and other people that, that are belong to our parish that have helped me and talked to me and helped me figure out what, what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, I mean, once God says to me, okay, I want you to do this ministry, I'm in, all of a sudden I'm talking to somebody that I should be talking to to help me get there. So yeah, it's it it doesn't it's not just that hour. It becomes um, a way of life. And I think another friend of mine, when she found out I had been, I think I started back in 2007. I want to say, and I've kept the same hour, the same time, except during the pandemic. Of course, we we couldn't go, but she couldn't believe that I had been going. And there were years I never missed. Uh, I never missed. Um, I've missed a couple of few of them here and there, but that's, you know, it doesn't mean I don't go another day or pass by, but it just becomes part of your life. I think it really opens up your heart and helps you see Jesus and other people. I'm not saying that I have wonderful days every day, but I really do try to be the best Christian I could be and ask for forgiveness when I'm not. It's just enhanced my, my whole faith, actually, my faith walk. I wasn't called Father. He's a saint. I'm going to give him his legit saint. Uh-huh. <laughs> saint Jose Maria Escriva. And how he said, we go to prayer to become a bonfire for others. And I was thinking that when we go to adoration, we're with the Holy Spirit fire. And when we receive it, we're better because it's not us. So when we go out, when we leave the chapel and we have that Holy Spirit fire, it's like what at Easter Vigil, right? One person has their candle lit and it keeps passing. So it's like that, but it's it's the Holy Spirit fire. So then it catches fire with other people and it spreads. But I was thinking when we don't go to adoration, it's like us with two little sticks trying to make a little <laughs> fire. <laughs> and we're like, why, why aren't people listening to me talk about Jesus? It's like, maybe I haven't spent time with Jesus. And there I'm like, they're like rubbing these sticks. Spark. I'm like, catch fire catch fire or whatever you do. I have no idea. (laughs) Many years ago, sadly, my twenties were many years ago, but uh, (laughs) so far I can see them in the rearview mirror. (laughs) But, but uh, I used to go to adoration every day where I was working at was down, down the street from a little church. They had like the statues and it was dusty and it smelled like wax. It was fantastic. (laughs) So I'd go there on my lunch break. It had that old, you know, I was like, Oh, this is very, yeah. old and holy but it had that it had that sense of sanctity i would like i would eat at my desk and then i'd clock out for lunch and then i'd go to head out to um to the chapel and i would pray there and when i was doing that my husband at the same time was going through rca and everything and i i just went there because i wanted to spend time with god and then i remember whenever i'd go to work there'd be so many conversations about god which is like what it's like you're not supposed to talk about god in the workplace what are you doing and it wasn't like i was trying to but I'd have my I'd have my little cubicle and I had my little Maximilian Colby picture on my desk and I would just do my thing and then people would come in and say, Who's that? Is that your grandpa? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that's Maximilian Colby. Who's that? And then I tell the story. I worked at that place for about five years. And I cannot tell you how many people I talked about the faith. And then once they found out I was Catholic, 
they'd come by and say, you know what? My neighbor is Catholic and she said, blah, blah, blah. Is that true? Yeah. And I was like, I had like the questions booth <laughs> at church. And I remember thinking, I'm not trying to be, you know, trying to, to do this. I'm just, I'm just trying to edit. But then I fell in love with that. And I thought the only reason this is happening is because I think, because I'm talking to God first. Because that initial conversation with the Lord, it's like, oh, you're like, I had all that fire in me and it needed to spread. So then when it stopped happening is when I was put on bed rest with one of my kids and then I just couldn't go anymore and I fell out of that habit. It's not coincidence that when I stopped going to adoration, less opportunities, my own Holy Spirit fire. I sound so funny. I know my Holy Spirit fire was just, (laughs) it wasn't ashes, but it wasn't like full on. It was just more like a a small little crackle happening. And then, you know, and again, once I think it's the Holy Spirit fueling it all, then as I fell in love again with adoration, then it happens. You get full of that fire and you find that you, whenever you pray, Holy Spirit, lead me where you will do with me what you want. You have all kinds of conversations with people. And then you have like, okay, this is going to sound weird, but you're like, Holy Spirit eyes. And then, <laughs> and then you're like, wow, that person's like really on fire you know, they just share their faith in such a lively, engaging way. And then you go, Hey, Christy, do you want to come on my podcast? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's like, how can you, how can we possibly evangelize or share the faith or even pray if we're not going first to sit before the Lord? It's That's true. It. It's like you get rusty if you don't, you don't go and, and you do attract people. You have that spirit within you and even if you don't end up talking to them about faith, they feel something about you that's special. You know, um, I heard um, a guy, his name's John Maxwell. He's a, he actually used to be a pastor, but um, he's, he's a leadership guy. And he, I just heard a, a talk from him and he said that you want to be somebody who's unforgettable. And I think that when we are really in tune with the Holy Spirit and we're, we have some really good habits going with our faith. We become unforgettable and people need that. And it's like you have a stability. You have a peace about you and a stability. And I really feel like that's what adoration does for me too. And, and I do know that when I was teaching and I taught uh, in an autism specific classroom of kindergartners and those Tuesday mornings, I really loved adoration because I came out of there with a lot of energy and a lot of peace and whatever came my way at school that day, I could handle it. So I think that, that people need that right now. And if those of us that are going to adoration really understand what we're doing and allowing that relationship to blossom with the Holy spirit, that, people will see that they may not know what it is exactly, but they want to be around that kind of person. And that's how I think we can actually evangelize. I think that's, that's a good way to evangelize. You know, if if we don't have to worry about what we're going to say, and I, I'm a true believer and it's happened to me many, many, many times that I don't worry about what I'm going to say to somebody or how I'm going to say something to somebody, um, whether it's going to be difficult or, whatever, I trust God will put the words in my mouth. And he, he always does. You know, even when I get a question or a comment that I don't even expect, but a comment back or response is, is expected, I'm like, hmm. But it, it just can come out. And I think there's a lot of benefits to adoration. <laughs> Being a little selfish here, but it, it is, you know. No, but it, I don't think it's necessarily selfish because we do go there to adore him and to spend time with him, like you said, whether we're talking or just being in his presence. And we are his children, so we should look like him. Mm-hmm. And God is the God of peace, and you know he's loving, kind, and merciful, slow to anger, rich in kindness. And that is how we're called to be. And we can't be that on our own. I know I can't be that on my own. No, I can't I'm, either. I'm, you know, I'm the exact opposite of that. But then, you know, in adoration, it's and, and in prayer, and he fills us up with his goodness because he loves us so much. Mm-hmm. And he gives that to us. And then when other people recognize a certain warmth or joy coming from you, you know, it's God. You know, I've had people say to me, Oh, you're so lively. You're such a lively person. They mean hyper sometimes, but <laughs> 
you know, it's, you know, it's like in scripture, I have to give them the cause of my joy is you know, the Lord. You're left to my own devices. Who knows? I know. And it ain't pretty because I, I was left to my own devices for a while. And it's like, why is she crying? Listen to the sad Smith's music in the corner for hours. It's like, oh, she's not praying, is she? You know? <laughs> so, and she's, you know, she's very sad. It's like, no, but when you, when you do spend time with the Lord and you are filled with him, you, there is something different about you. And like scripture says, right, they'll know we're Christians by our love. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say they'll know we're Christians because we really had a great argument. Oh, you know what? The way that your treaties on, you know, this teaching or whatever, that none of that is what's, I mean, that's important sometimes because maybe sometimes an intellectual block, but it is that love that will make people realize. I, I believe that. So something that you said that I thought was very was very interesting was well you said a lot of things that were really interesting Christy. Oh, <laughs> particular what struck me is how you said about sitting in the presence of God. I feel like a lot of times with prayer that just being in his presence that silence is so important. There's a lot of people especially now there's so much noise and I work in the <laughs> I work in the social media industry there's a lot of noise. So that's why I really do like my my time of quiet. But people aren't used to it. So do you have like any tips? Like how could you be comfortable with silence? How can I be comfortable with silence? Yeah, we'll play act. Christy. <laughs> <laughs> I heard, you know, I heard you go to adoration. I like to go, but whenever I go, it's so quiet. What am I supposed to be listening for? I would say I wouldn't worry about that. I would, I think you'd be surprised if you just went in there you can close your eyes. Uh, in our chapel, you can actually look up and see the back of Christ hanging on the cross. I love looking at that. I feel like he, he's got our back. The other thing you can do is actually stare at the holy body of Christ and let your eyes zone out. I don't, you know, I just say, don't have expectations. Let the Holy Spirit do whatever it is. Get in your head and I know there's been times I've been there even by myself at five in the morning and there's, there's so much silence. It's almost loud. It's almost like a white noise in my head. And I just, I just let it be, I just let it happen. And then I forget about it. And then I, I'm in the mode of listening to you know, the thoughts that I'm getting from God, but maybe what you, you know, somebody could do if they have a hard time with no noises, practice at home, turn off everything, turn off your phone or, or put it on silent and turn it over and don't put the TV on and don't put the radio on and don't do anything extra to make noise. If you can help it and just sit in your room and lie down and close your eyes and, and practice for five minutes with nothing and just do that. And then when you go to adoration, maybe it'll be more familiar. I don't know. Sometimes practicing stuff like that is helpful. That is so smart. That is such a great tip because you're right. It's, it's something that we don't, one doesn't do often. I was reading, <laughs> I'm not trying to push Jose Maria Escriba. <laughs> I just, I just happen to be reading, um, him, him again for the millionth time. In, in the way, they're just like little bits of um, little snippets of letters and advice he he's given people. So I read the way and I just meditate on like a little thing that he wrote. And the one that struck me this week is how he said, I'm going to paraphrase him because I don't remember exactly. And it was in Spanish too, so it wouldn't be a perfect paraphrase. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're so ambitious with our careers and like our physical attributes and all these different things. And we practice and work hard why don't we do that with the Lord? Why don't we practice mm-hmm. getting closer to the Lord? And I thought, you know, that just came to mind as you said that. And also that one of the books I read last year that really gave me a new appreciation for silence. I like silence just, which is funny because I'm a, I'm not a, like, I'm, you know, I'm very, I'm kind of loud and I laugh. I laugh a little loudly. <laughs> <laughs> I tried the Tim Muir laugh before when I was younger. I tried to practice. I'm like, oh, and that just no, sounds that's like not you. No, that sounds mock. I'm more like, ha, ha. I can't even take a laugh. <laughs> so, um, and then, you know, so I am, but then, but then I do treasure that silent time. I don't know if you read, I ruin his name all the time. I want to say Cardinal Sarah, Cardinal Sarah. I don't know. And he wrote, <laughs> he, 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 he wrote the power of silence and it's such a magnificent book because the whole book is a, is a meditation on silence and, and the, and the benefits of it. 
which is really funny because now I'm talking on the podcast about silence. But it really encouraged me to to expand the time of silence I have at home because I do have silence at home, which is funny because a lot of people are like, I can never have any silence. It's like, well, you things are going to happen magically. It's just it's just like my getting healthy and losing weight. It's not, I wished it. It's not, it, there has to be work. So the same thing, so the same thing is true with, with learning silence, right? So uh, there are times when I just, I go in my backyard and not, not that it's not a huge backyard, but I sit there in my little chair and I'm just like, oh, just me and the Lord quiet. And it's something that because I do it, I think the kids have seen me do it. And now sometimes they go and they sit there too. When you're more comfortable in your silence, then you can hear the Lord better. Yeah. And, okay. This is controversial. <laughs> Controver- contro- controversy time with Veronica Jersky. But um, it's, this is the edgy, edgy podcast that the Root and Fountain is. <laughs> but sometimes I wonder if like, if we're not comfortable with silence, why not? Like what's there? Because I know in the past when I wasn't comfortable with silence, it's because I had some big fat sins staring me in the face or an issue that I didn't want to address or I just wasn't comfortable in who I was or where I was at. I'm not saying this is true with everyone, but you know there may be some things that if you are not comfortable in your silence that maybe you should address and then you can let the dogs out of their cages, deal with it, and then and then find, you know, be able to sit in silence. I think that's exactly what it is because... How many times in the middle of the night have have any of us awakened and can't go to sleep because of something we did, something we feel guilty about, something we didn't like what we did or how we acted? Even if it's in the past, it just comes up. Yeah. And you're in the silence of night and this thing is pounding in your head and you don't want to think about it. So, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's It's kind of... What are we trying to avoid? Why why is our world so full of noise anyway? You know, I think a lot of people fill their days up with unnecessary things to be busy. So they don't have right. to think about the important things they need to think about. And silence is actually empowering. I mean, it energizes. I think it, it's it's just like when you go to sleep at night and you get a good night's sleep, it's um, it's kind of a time of silence. <laughs> it's just part of our, and you know, our biology. We have to have that sleep for our brain to have rest. Well, silence is giving our brain rest too. If you can let it happen, it's empowering. And I think you're right. You have to let go of those things that that bother you about whatever it is that you don't want to think about. And it's really a freedom. I mean, how many times do you want to, you know, I think a lot of people, they they want to just have a vacation day where they could sit on a beach. They don't have to worry about anything. And that could be what silence is like, you know, let's take a vacation from the world and let God sow into us. And I, I just kind of think that silence can be a, a vacation away with God. Think of it that way. Pick a place that that you love to visit. It could be the mountains. It could be the beach. You know, I often think about me sitting on, on the edge of a river bank on a big rock, maybe in the Kidron Valley. And I'm sitting there and Jesus is sitting with me and he's got his arm around me. And sometimes I just envision that and that helps a lot. So I think working at being in the silent time is, is hard work too, but it, once you get used to it, it's, something you cherish. And yeah, you got to practice it. And kind of like what you were saying earlier, that, you know, when you're there and that you, you bring him your gripes and everything. And I think that's something too, that sometimes because people are afraid of sharing their, their hurts and their sorrows with God. This is a theme. I hate this. I talk about this all the time. So, you know, you may have heard this in a different podcast or just in conversations with me over coffee. (laughs) <laughs> but the point that, that always gets me is the fact that God can handle the sorrow and the hurt and the anger and all these feelings that we consider dark. They're transformed by God into something that He can heal us from our wounds. If you know, if you're struggling with these certain, not the prettiest words, or you don't have the prettiest thoughts that you want to share to God, just share Him all the sorrows. I, I've gone to adoration. I think adoration became deeper to me when I started showing Him all my wounds. And you know what? God, Jesus has a bunch of wounds too. Yeah. You know, and I was like, oh my goodness, you love us so much that, you know, you allowed yourself to be wounded. And so you get this. 
mm-hmm. in, a, in a totally deeper way, but to be able to go to him and bring out the sorrows and say, this hurts me, or I'm really ticked off about that. And I think having that honesty, then I didn't have like that secret guilt of having those feelings in front of God. It was like, okay, like he knows, like he knows all this. Like, so when I go to adoration, it's all out there. I'm like, I can't pretend anymore. It's like, you know, Lord, and it's freeing. Like you said, it's so freeing to go to adoration and just to be very, and to be naked before God. Mm -hmm. Because there ain't no shame in that. It's sin that made it bad. And so we go with him in that that silence and just spend time with him. Like you said, on your rock, right? He spends, he's there with you and he loves you so much. And that's what he wants, that relationship. But we, we all tend to hide. I mean, if we didn't, no one would sin and we all do. Yeah, and I think that we often feel like we're not worthy and and we're not. And we're not, but at the same time, you know, like you said, if if we could just just flay ourselves open, <laughs> you know, it it doesn't have to be with any other human. It could just be with God. You know, it's that that alone gives people, I think, that that sense of forgiveness, mercy, grace. Uh, knowing it's going to be okay. I always wondered in the Bible when they say that he wrote something in the sand, but you, you never know really what he wrote. But when I think about it, it's start again and what's past is past. Just We always strive to be our, a better person that we are. But the only way we can do that is with his help. We can't do it alone. And when you have a weak moment, you've got to turn and say, okay, now, yeah, what would Jesus do? <laughs> what would you do, Jesus? Well, help me get out of this weak moment. Help, help me not do what I think I want to do, and I know I shouldn't, or say, or whatever it is. And I just think that that's uh, important. And if it's just between you and God, then that's. I mean, we. St- I'm not talking about not going to confession and all that stuff, but yeah, I just think that that's where we start. And I don't think adoration will be boring after that. I think, you know, you, even if you do kind of an account of your week and like, oh, well, how was I? And Lord, help me, you know, point out what I can improve on. And there's so many things about adoration that we can develop to do. Like if I had to like, why do you go to adoration? It's to love and to be loved. Mm-hmm. And yes, it can be in a different way, but just, but it's that, that special attention, Right. Like, right. like Christy, you know that I love you, right? Right. You know okay. But, <laughs> and you know, and you walk around and I walk around going, Christy's my friend. But then it's always <laughs> special when I see you, you know, and that's, and then adoration is like that, but like on a way deeper level because it's, you know, the creator of the universe. Yeah. So I just think that's my, my favorite part of adoration is just to, uh, that's, that's the feeling I get. I feel like I'm, I'm so grimy and I just go there and it's like, oh, I feel so loved and you know, no matter what happens, it just everything. And even if I'm having a hard day, I'm like, well, at least God loves me. Yeah. You know, and I'm there. <laughs> and I, you know, and I and I and I'm filled with his love. And the thing that's so beautiful about the Lord, right, is is when he loves us, it just spills all over us. And we are just so full of this love that it just spills onto everybody else. We can't manufacture it, you know, we can't fake it. And we do, it's really a just a cheap knockoff of God's love, you know, but we go with him, we get all so full of that love and it just, oh. and you know, the parishes that do have adoration, they seem to be the ones that are particularly lively and draw people close. Cause he's there. I, I brought a friend a couple years ago into the chapel. She wanted to explore Catholicism. And I said, you know, let's just go into the chapel. Um, well, she actually, she was of a, another faith, but however, she, I mean, she grew up in another faith, but she was looking and she was kind of interested because she she always felt like and heard that the Catholic Church taught a lot of mercy and grace. And I said, well, you got that right. So I brought her in there. I had no idea what her reaction would be. Um, there were a couple of people in there. It was in the afternoon and um, we just sat for a few minutes and I just let let it be whatever she was going to get out of it or not. And we walked out and she said, that was so peaceful. Wow. And this is somebody who really doesn't know anything about the Catholic church. Um, except that what she, you know, what some of the things that she was interested in finding out. And she just said, that was so peaceful. And I said, you know what, 
it's a privilege to go in there and people can go in whenever they want, you know, and get that same peace. If you go in it with a, a childlike heart, an open heart, and don't really don't expect anything but goodness out of it. Even if I have to admit, there have been some mornings that I went through my prayers and things and it, I didn't, I, I don't, I don't think I was as present as I should have been. And I kind of walked out of there feeling like I wasted God's time, not my time. I felt like I wasted that whole opportunity mm-hmm. where I could have made it a better hour. And I think you need a few times like that to really appreciate it as well. But as tired as I can be sometimes when I have to get up to go, I always, I'm so glad when I'm on my way and I, I always pray, God, get me there safe, get me home safe and everybody else who, who I will see. Um, it's, it's just become part of my life. And it's a privilege not to just go, but to know who's there. Mm-hmm. We have um, my many, many years ago. Ages and ages ago, <laughs> I went once to upon the, a time. Once upon a time in my youth, I went to the Vatican, and but we were there with friends who weren't um, who weren't Catholic, and they you know they were there. This person still comments on what what was there that was different. He's asked us before, like what what's so different? Why did the Catholic Church feel so different from everywhere else? It feels so different. Real presence. And I remember also when, when I did help out in RCIA that we had people who said, I was walking by and something something was there. You know, I can't tell you how many times it was that they'd go and they're like, oh, it was during adoration. Later they realized, oh, that's adoration. But at the time they didn't know. And they would just like, they'd walk in and just feel some, something there, someone there. I think that's what happens in adoration. Like he's there. He's so present. He's so there. Like if you bumped into him, you go, oh, yeah, Jesus, I know you're here. Yeah, exactly. I think sometimes when I look at the body, precious body, I I do, you know, like I'll go, wow, that that's Jesus in the appearance of bread. And, that, and it's hard to wrap my mind around it sometimes, even though I have a strong faith and I know, yeah. I know that's him. And then when my brain starts to blow up, because I try to think about it so much, I go, don't worry about it. God can make anything happen anyway. You already know that's what, that's him. You know, your your little pea brain can't comprehend as much as your heart, your soul. Everything's going to make sense. It it does make sense to me. I, I mean, I do know that the presence of Christ is in the bread and the wine, the appearance of it. I know that, but it, it still blows my mind sometimes when I go, wow, this is like the bloodless sacrifice. It is more than manna from heaven. This is this God. Jesus is the manna from heaven. And it, it, it shouldn't be hard to comprehend it. But the senses, right? Like you're, but your you senses know, want to overtake, yeah. right? Cause, you know, yeah. Cause I've gone to, I've, I've been a mass before and, you know, I 100% believe it's the Eucharist. It's Jesus. In my journey, I've read all the arguments for why this is true. Then I read the arguments why it's not true. And those didn't make any sense. I'm like, but do we not read John 6? So intellectually, I've worked out to the point where it's like, I don't know how. I don't know how, but I know it is so. It's the the time of consecration. And there's like that fleeting thought of like, you think that's Jesus? Yes. Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, but you, what you see, it looks like bread. And it's like, yes, it's not. I love the fact that you mentioned that every, even though you have a strong faith, that idea will pop into your head because I think sometimes people will think, oh no, I had that thought. That must mean I believe it. I doubt. And it's like, no, we're of this world, but we don't belong to the world. So like we have eyes. Our eyes are like, really? It's, I think that's normal to entertain it. But if you like really go, well, I don't even know if that's true. That's okay too. What you get to do is now investigate. Why is it that we believe the things we do? And then you can learn maybe yeah, and grow your faith that point. way. I think sometimes people are like, oh no, I had a flicker of a thought and I, and you know, and then I'm going to abandon it. But then it's like, okay, think about your relationship with your spouse, for example. Did they ever do anything that might have you have a flicker of a thought going, what was I thinking? But like, you don't go, well, I guess I'm like, you know, I guess I'm done with marriage because I had that one flickering thought of, oh my gosh, if I had known. It's true. I mean, we're, we're human beings and 
we're definitely sense driven. And, you know, also we grew up with that saying, seeing is believing, seeing is believing, you know, and, but when it comes to matters of, of God and faith, you know, faith is an action word and, and faith means you don't see, physically see. It reminds me of this poem I read when I was a kid. It was a poem in this golden book of poetry that I had, and I obsessively memorized a lot of the for the poems. And one of them was um, by Christina Rossetti. And the line that struck me at the time, and still does, was it was from Who Has Seen the Wind? And the verse goes, Who has seen the wind? Neither you nor I. But when the trees bow down their heads, the wind is passing by. And it struck me as a child and also as an adult that even though you don't see something, you can see the benefits from it. And it always reminded me of prayer. Like you don't see physically see a prayer, but you see the benefits of it. And the same is true with Eucharistic adoration. We get to see people who are, you know, who come out of adoration and they're more loving and they're kinder and they're warmer and they're more compassionate and they're sweeter than they were exactly. before. Exactly. It doesn't mean that you're like, like not a, a jerky person doesn't go in there and come out and they're magically not jerky, but they will be less jerky. And in time, maybe not a jerk at all. It is transforming. And that's the thing. Not God, because he's always, he's steadfast. Exactly. But we're, yeah. we're the ones who are transformed. Do you have any parting words for someone who wants to get started with um, adoration at all? I would say get started. If you overanalyze and overthink something, it, it's just a waste of time. Sometimes you just have to go for it. And what do you have to lose? Right? I mean, you have everything to gain. It's not even a sacrifice. It's it's only going to help you. It's only going to be for your benefit and the people around you. Because if you get yourself on an hour a week, and you may want to do more, but at least get started. Um, and don't worry about what to do. Like you had mentioned earlier in the podcast, there are little get started pamphlets. And your journey is your journey. So... You don't have to be like anybody else. You just be yourself and keep your relationship going with God. It's it's only going to enhance it. That's really it. I mean, it's very simple. Thanks, Chrissy, for coming on to the show. Now, before I close this out with a prayer, I'd like to remind you that you can sign up to receive the latest news from the Root and Fountain podcast at therootandfountain.fireside.fm, or you can subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and Spotify. And if there's any question you may have or prayer requests, please do send them to therootandfountain at gmail.com and we'll be sure to read it. Thanks so much for listening. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for giving us this time to talk about spending time with you. Thank you for, for the friendship that I have with Christy and most importantly for the friendship that we have with you. We pray for all those who are listening that they can come to better understand just how much you love them. And even then, just we can never understand that enough. But help help the listeners to want to spend more time with you, to cherish the, the silence that they can cultivate in their lives so they can hear your voice more closely. Help our listeners to, to want to get to know you better and to share themselves more fully with you, with sharing all of all of their joys and their sorrows and their hurts and their highs and their lows and everything, because you already know that and knowing that you still love them so very much. Help people to make that decision to go to adoration so they can spend that time with you and to be transformed by the fire of your love and to help pass that love to others. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for allowing us to pray. And thank you, God, for all the wonderful gifts and, that you give us and the different ways that you give us that we can get closer to you. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Father, Spirit. Amen.